Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says, says to the priest, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask how have we ever shown contempt for your name? The seventh verse said, You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, How have we defiled the sacrifice? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. The eighth verse said, When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You may be seated. So last last week, Brother Roy did a phenomenal job introducing us to our, our few weeks of study here on uh, Fresh Faith. Somebody say fresh faith. We talked, uh, we talked last week about uh, Israel letting their problems convince them that God didn't care. And sometimes we, we feel, and I, I thought while he was speaking last week, boy, he's hitting right where we all live. Sometimes when things go wrong, we just uh, we want to get our lip dragging the carpet and we mully grub and saying, you know, where, where's God at in all this? Why isn't God here? Why don't he show up when I need him? Amen. But uh, he told us last week, and we understand that just because you have a trial or a trouble doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and that God doesn't care. Amen. He cares for us. The Bible said he did. Tonight we're going to, to talk about Fresh passion in pursuing God. Fresh passion. I, I, if, if, if I could just bear my soul to you for the next little while and, uh, and tell you what's really down inside of me. And I, I'll be honest with you tonight. When I, <laughs> I got through preaching Sunday, I came back into the office, uh, uh, I think Tuesday, Brother Roy and I were talking. He said, I don't know if you know this or not, but everything you preach Sunday is what you're going to talk about Wednesday. We, we put this series together, and, and, and so the series, and I said, well, you know what? God must want folks to hear it twice. So I'm going to give it to you again. How about that? Some of you may have been like the guy that come to church with his shovel that just pitched it over your shoulder to the man behind you. But tonight, I want to talk to every one of us. Because, see, in this lesson, what we're going to talk about, about those folks that Malachi was speaking to, they were still religious people doing religious things, but their passion was not there. Their passion was gone. They were offering sacrifices, but instead of bringing their best to God, they were, they were bringing him lame sacrifices. And I read that. When I read that, I thought, wow. Because I know, if you know, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, the Old Testament teaches that you bring, you bring that lamb without spot or blemish. That's what they were instructed to bring to God. And here, here Malachi is saying that, 
you know, you, you've come and you've brought your offerings, but they're lame and they're stolen and they're defiled. And this is not what makes God happy. The worst had happened for God's people. Their worship had become meaningless because, uh, because they, their passion wasn't there. They, their love for God was gone. You know, all through the scriptures you can find this where people fall in love with God and if not careful, fall out of love with God. And that is a, a sincere problem of the 21st century is that we have to guard against falling out of love with Jesus. It's easy to fall in love with Jesus, but I want to tell you the world will see to it that you fall out of love with him. So their worship, it, it, was, it was not meaningful. Worship is only meaningful when you're doing everything to make God's name great and you're, you're doing it with a passionate heart. You, you know, uh, and I, I got to think about all this today. Let, let me just let me throw this in here to you. It's very easy after a while for this just to become a routine, for even worship to become a routine. It's very easy if you've been around the church very long. You know what? You expect the pastor to say, "If you've been around this church, let's worship, let's raise our hands." And you know, it's easy to raise your hand and be thinking about whatever. You got to do tomorrow. Whatever you did today. But let me tell you what has to happen to us. For our worship to be meaningful, there has to be passion involved. You see, their sacrifices are unlawful, Malachi said. Their commitment was dishonest and their worship was worthless. God wasn't happy because they were going through the motions. They had all the routine down. They had everything down in order, but they did not have a true passion for God. God is grieved when people try to worship Him and don't really love Him. It's just that, it's just, you know, anybody can go through the routine. Anybody can go through the motions. Let me tell you what worship is. Worship is when you do it here, but when you get in your car and you can't stop. When you wake up in the morning and it's still on you. When you go take your lunch break tomorrow and you can't help but finding a place and saying, Oh, God, I thank you. I pray, I pray God, that, that I could give you everything. That's true worship. Amen. It's not just gathering up on a Wednesday or a Sunday and, and, and offering God a few hand claps and raising your hand a little bit and going through the catechisms of Pentecost and acting like we're all involved. Here's what God wants. He wants you to shut out. You know, when we come to church, we ought to put blinders on everybody. We don't, we don't need to be worried about the guy next to us. We don't need to be worried about the problems of today. We don't need to be worried about the problems of tomorrow. If there's some way that we could, we could zero in. Paul said it this way. I have set my affections on things above. I'm going to put my heart into what I'm doing here tonight, God. I'm going to give it everything I've got. Somebody shout amen. The people, Malachi said, are breaking their vows to God. They're covering up their rebellion with religion and offering God. You know, I preached not long ago in this church, religion or relationship. What do you have? You can have religion and have no relationship. Amen. 
We want to talk about the old-time religion. Brother, they had relationship. That's why they didn't mind walking to church. That's why they'd pray out in the, in the thicket until the power came down. That's why they gave everything they had. I want to, for, for all of us, we need to hear this tonight. We didn't just get here. We got here because somebody loved this truth and loved with passion the things of God. They didn't bring lame sacrifices. They didn't cut. Let me tell you, they gave God their very best. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, somebody. Help me out here tonight. They had religion but no relationship. They were offering God leftovers. And, and, and for the same reason, for the same reason, we do that today. We become involved. We get to where Brother Roy talked about last week. We, we get to where, where we think God don't care and God's not there. And so we're just kind of going through the motions, wake up and going through every day. Oh, God, let us have a baptism of the love of God where we fall in love with Jesus all over again. Hallelujah. One of the major problems, Israel's culture was plagued by a priesthood, preachers that were leading people to offer God less than he deserved. You ready? Prayerless preachers don't belong in a pulpit. Passionless preachers don't belong leading people. If you're just looking for a preacher to pat you on the back, I, was, I just slipped on a website of, of, of a church not far from here a few days ago. I said, I just want to see what they say. I want to see what they do. And, and the preacher, he, 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 you know, he spoke, and, and it was pretty good. But at the end, they had this guy come on and said, now, if you're watching our webcast, or if you're, you're seeing us by whatever way, over there, he said, I want you to say this prayer with me. And he quoted a little prayer, and he waited for everybody to say every line. And when he got through, he said, now, he said, you, if that's the first time you've done it, you are saved. You are all right. Passionless. No experience. No anointing. Boy, it got quiet on me then, didn't it? I want to tell you something. When you come to God, you better get something in here. Because what's going to keep you when the world's on fire and darkness veils the sun is a passion for God. A passion for God. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. So it was clear the priesthood promoted religion. That revolved around convenience. Religion with convenience. I got to hurry because I'll never get through tonight. Matter of fact, I forgot my watch. So y'all may be in trouble. I don't have a watch. You can hold yours up every once in a while because I can't see it. Amen. They had no passion. They had no power. And so they had apathy. Apathy. You know what apathy is? And I don't care attitude. It's like the guy that went to church and the preacher preached on 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 uh, apathy and 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 preached a good sermon on apathy and and and, and, and the guy got out of church and his wife said, Well what what'd you get out of that? He said, I don't know and I don't care. Well, that's where some of us get sometimes. I don't know and I don't care. 
Ignorance and apathy. Ignorance and apathy. I don't know and I don't care. Malachi had a message. Here's what he said. How we worship reflects our view of God. How we worship anything less than our best dishonors God. Anything, are you hearing me? Anything less than our best dishonors God. I'm going to get down to where you live tonight. Here's what he said in verse 6. You ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? And verse 7 said, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifice? You defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. I want to tell you the altar of the Lord deserves all respect. Amen? When passion, listen, when passion is missing, our pursuit of God is irreverent. In other words, it's vain repetition. It's going through motions. When you're not passionately in love with God and in pursuit of God with passion, your worship is irreverent. Hallelujah. See, the, the quality of worship is in direct proportion to your concept of God. The higher our view of God is, the better we worship and we magnify His name. God's complaint in 1 and 6 against the priest was that they despised God's name. That's what He said. So God makes this grand statement in verse 11 and verse 14. Here's what He said. For my name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations. And he went on to say, for I am a great king. God said that. And my name will be feared among all the nations. Hear me right now. Your concept of God and the glory of his name is is, is revealed by your passion of worship and giving and loving God. How big is God to you? How big is God in your eyes? What do you really think of God? What about the name of the Lord? I'll tell you what. He said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Are you listening? Don't just throw it around here, folks. Matter of fact, I'd be careful about saying, oh, my God. That goes over like a high heel tennis shoe. I'd be careful. Let me, you didn't say that in my house growing up. I can tell you that. Ellen would wash your mouth out with soap. I know you're watching, Mom. Be careful how you use the name of God. Be careful how you throw that name around. I can remember a time, and sometimes we, we all are loose, and I'm preaching to me and you. And I've, I've, you know, I've said it before. You've said it before. My God, be careful. Be careful. That's good stuff, whether you all like it or not. Amen. His name is high. God's name represented his person. 
his character, his nature. He said, I'm going to be great. I'm a great king. I'm the almighty God. Twenty-three times in Malachi, God calls himself the Lord Almighty. You see, I, I, just, I just want you to get it tonight before I go too far. If we're just going through, if, if we're, if we're missing, missing our passion in pursuit of God, we have become irreverent with God. We're just going through the motions. We don't recognize God's greatness as we worship. We're just going through the motions when we allow the extraordinary to become ordinary. And we're going through the motions when the mystery of worship becomes familiar in the church. It's got to be more than just a song and dance. It's got to be more than just a clapping of hands. It's got to be more than just doing this and not even thinking about it. It's got to be more than just saying hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let me tell you, hallelujah is the highest praise. And we ought to let it ring from the depths of our soul. When we say praise the Lord, it ought to come from way down in here. There needs to be some passion in our pursuit of God, and that will give us fresh faith. Hallelujah. See, here's another thing. When passion is missing, pursuing God becomes inconvenient. The Jewish people had become, those people had become bored with worship. They, 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 they say, look what a nuisance. And, 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 and you scorn it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering. Am I accept this offering from your hands, said the Lord? He said, they brought cheap sacrifices, cheap sacrifices, blemished animals, lambs covered with running sores, blind lambs, lambs that no, had, uh, that no respectable shopkeeper would even accept. And they're bringing them to God. They did their duty, but they didn't do it right. They were going through the rituals of their duty, but they had no passion. So when your passion is missing in pursuing God, it suddenly becomes inconvenient. The external offering is a reflection of your heart. Do you want me to say that again? Your external offering is a reflection of your heart. Would that describe worship in the church of the 21st century? Do you come to church and say, how long is it going to last? Do we have to sing so much? Why is the preaching so aggravating long? Do you come to worship and make mental list of what you're going through and write notes during church and what you're going to accomplish when you get home? Are you making your to-do list while I'm preaching tonight? If you are, I want your attention. I'm preaching to you. You need some passion in pursuing God. I am. Thank you, brother. I am. You see, I, I, I've been raised in Sunday school. I know how it works. I know how it works. It used to be you, you just, you know, you took out a little pad and you'd write notes to your neighbor and write this and writing what you had to do. Now they got iPhones, cell phones. You want to act like you're reading the Bible. You're, you're going to go to hell for lying. If you're texting in church, I hope God strikes you right now. Unless it's an emergency. You see, you, I'm just talking about Pursuing God and it becoming inconvenient. It's like, 
If coming to church has become a, a, a problem for you, you need a baptism of passion and fresh faith. If you can't say with David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord should never get boring to us. The house of the Lord should always, on Wednesday, on Sunday, you ought to be excited to walk into the presence of God. Because this is God's house. This is not my house. This is God's house. Well, I'm tired. You just don't realize how tired. I, he was pretty tired when he walked up Golgotha's hill. I just don't feel like it. Do you think he felt like hanging on a cross? You see, here's another thing. When passion is missing, pursuing God makes us weary. What makes matters worse, the people are complaining that the act of worshiping God has become wearisome to them in verse 13. We're weary. They have ceased to enjoy and delight in the worship. What was designed to bring deep satisfaction has now become a chore. It's become something that they just want to get through. Let me tell you something. If you, if you ain't living right and, and, and you, you say, well, i got to do this because the preacher said it. The, the preacher doesn't matter. There's an all-seeing God that knows everything. He sees everything. You can lie to the preacher, but you can't lie to God. You can tell your spouse something, but you can't lie to God. You can convince your friends, but you can't lie to God. Come on now, I'm preaching to you today. So pursuing God without passion makes us very weary. And when we try to give less than what God deserves, worship is a very weary act. One man said it this way, when a man is bored with God, even heaven does not have a better alternative. When you're bored with God. So, in the next few minutes, I want to give you, I want to give you three principles that are laid out here. Three principles for passionate pursuit. How many of you want to passionately pursue God? You want God. You, how, you, you know, this, this, this is, let me just ask you this. How long has it been since you got down and just shut everything out, got in a, a spirit of prayer, and the tears were falling? You were saying, God, I just want to know you. I'm willing to give up whatever i got to give up. I'm willing to lay my best here at the altar. I'm doing whatever. I, I will. God, I want to know you. I'm pursuing you that I may know him, that I may know him, Paul said, that I may have relationship with him intimate relationship with him. I don't want to just know him by the preacher telling me who he is. I want to know him by my experience with him. I want to know him because I got a one-on-one -on -one with him.
I can go to him at midnight and call his name and he shows up. I can be driving down the road in my car at 3 o'clock in the evening and call his name and he shows up. That's the kind of relationship I want with God. I don't want it on Sunday morning only. I'm not coming on Wednesday night only. I want God every day 24-7. I want God in my life. That is a passionate pursuit of God. Hallelujah. So here's the first principle. Bring God your best and not your worst. Let me read a scripture to you in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 2, and then verse 19 and 20. You can just mark these in your Bible. God made it very clear that he was not interested in substandard sacrifices. He said, tell Aaron and his sons to treat with respect the sacred offerings the Israelite consecrate to me, so they will not profane my holy name. He said, I am the Lord. He said, you must present a male without defect from the cattle, sheep, or goats in order that it may be accepted on your behalf. Here's what he said. Do not bring anything with a defect because it will not be accepted. Israel had been taught to look through the flocks and find the one animal without a defect or a blemish for their sacrifice. That wasn't easy to do because this animal was the cream of the crop, the most expensive, the one used for breeding. But it was God who demanded that. So here's the principle. God deserves priority over your possessions. I'm in the book. He wants the best you have, not your worst. He does not want your leftovers. He wants your first. See, these, these people were, were, were more concerned with keeping what they had than what they were concerned about giving to God. Their, their hearts were not really in it. They were still coming to church, but it was just a ritual now. It was just going through the motions now. And God said, no, 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 no. I don't want what's left of your energy. I don't want what's left of your ability. I don't want what's left of your money. I don't want what's left of your talent. I want the first. They had, they had accepted mediocrity. They, they were just satisfied in their lives, and their leaders did nothing about it. So God tells them to try and offer their junk to the governor. He said, go give it to the governor. In other words, go pay your taxes with that and see if that's what he wants. You wouldn't give that to the people out there. You, you want to give your best. But he's saying, I'm after your best. Let me tell you about God. I preached a little bit about it on Sunday morning. I'm going to say it again this evening. God's very jealous. He said, I am a jealous God. Do you believe that? I want to tell you about idolatry. Can I tell you about idolatry? Idolatry. When we say idolatry, we think of a God of stone or a God of wood. Or we saw a lot of that in, in, in Israel, a, a, a lot of idols that 
that were worshipped in pagan places and, and things. We, we saw a lot of that. that. That is idolatry. But let me tell you what idolatry is in the 21st century, and I believe this with all my heart. Idolatry is anything you put before God. Anything. That's idolatry. If you love that or him or her or them or it more than you love God, you are an idol worshiper. But when he gets proper place in your life, he will be number one. He won't get your second best. He won't get your leftovers. He won't get whatever you have when you're through having a good time. He will get your very best. Wow. God deserves priority in our life over our possessions. Something, everybody say something, is not better than nothing. You say, well, I'm going to give God something. But God said in verse 10 that it would be better to shut the doors of the temple than to continue bringing God lame sacrifices. They were, they were slapping themselves on the back. Well, we gave. We brought a sacrifice. Well, it may not have been perfect, but we gave. You know, we, preacher, we, you know, we, we're going to do what we can do. And Yeah, well, you know. Something is not better than nothing. If he can't be Lord of all, he won't be Lord at all. Are you hearing me? I'm putting God where he rightfully wants to be and deserves to be. Who's done more for you than God? Your boss hadn't. Your family hadn't. Your kinfolk down the line hadn't. Nobody's done more for you than God. Nobody deserves the worship God deserves. Nobody deserves everything you have more than God does. Why don't you just put him where he ought to be and let it be the pursuit with passion of the things of God in your life? Anything less than your best dishonors God. Dishonors God. He knows you can't fool God. That's one thing about God. You can't fool Him. Mary poured out the ointment. I preached about it Sunday. She poured out the ointment, and it was precious ointment. It was expensive ointment. But you know what? Jesus said, it's because I've done so much for her. You remember what I talked about Sunday? You know why she gave him more? Because she realized what he had done in her life. We get, we get so caught up in the ritual and the routine. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I, I, this is, I, I don't know, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be, say I'm old, but I ain't middle-aged no more. Well, maybe I am. My dad said, used to say I'm middle-aged because I hadn't lived half as long as I want to. But, but, but here's what I will tell you. I've lived long enough to watch it. And it's very, 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 very easy for us to get to the stage that everything is just ritual. Everything. It's just habit. Can't be just habit. Renew your passion. Renew your faith. Get fresh faith. Fresh faith. Phillips Craig and Ding used to sing a song, I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. If my sacrifices are less than giving you my very best, help me to remember Calvary's cross. 
and be willing to save. Here's the second principle. I hurry. Give to God first and not last. Okay? Second Chronicles 31 and 5 said, As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, honey, and all the field produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. Everybody say this with me. Give to God first, not last. God don't want your leftovers. He wants your first fruits. Amen. I'm hurrying now because I got to. Number three principle, give something that costs something. That's the third principle. Give something that costs something. Back in the Old Testament, when David was going to offer a sacrifice unto God, somebody said, oh, no, no, said, I'll, I'll just give you that. He said, no, no. He said, I cannot offer to God that which costs me nothing. I can't offer that to God. I got to offer God something that costs me something. So giving is called, it should be sacrificial. And it should be from the heart. And it should be something that means something to you. He, he, you know, if, if, we could, if we could catch what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, let, let me say a few, a few things to you right quick. And in the closing five minutes. What does it mean to give less than the best? What does it look like to give to God last? And what does it mean to make gifts that cost us nothing? Now, I'm going to bring those three principles to you tonight in our present form, okay? We're not bringing sacrifices to God as far as bulls and goats and heifers and sheep and lambs. We're not doing that tonight. That's over with. Aren't you glad of that? But here's what we are doing. We're offering God things that mean things to us in 2020. So, so, so let me just, here's, just remember this. What does it mean to give less than best? What does it look like to give to God last? And what does it make, mean to make gifts that cost us nothing or give gifts? It's when I spend an hour in an evening reading the USA Today cover to cover and five minutes before I fall asleep grab God's Bible. That's offering God the leftovers. It's when we bring to our careers our best energy, our best talent, our best motivation, but when it comes to serving the body of Christ, we either sit on the sidelines or look for something that requires the least amount of energy. That's giving God less. It's going to get quiet. It's when we spend a lot of money on ourselves for a summer vacation. But when it comes to giving God an offering, we look at the budget and say, well, what have I got left over? It's when we catch our favorite team, score a touchdown and leap up off the sofa in jubilation. But in worship, we sit passively with our hands in our laps. I'm going to let that sink in. It's when we love other things so much, there's nothing we wouldn't give for them. But we hesitate when it comes to giving to God's kingdom. Look, 
I hope you all have a new car by the weekend. I hope you live in the biggest and the best house. I hope you have the most beautiful furniture, the greatest wardrobe. I hope the best for you. But I want to give you what Jesus said. I don't hope that for you if that's the damnation of your soul. Because he said this. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? So you get an education. So you got a good job. So you do drive a fancy car. So you do live in a big house. So you do wear expensive clothes. I don't care. But I want to tell you one thing. God better be first. God better be first. Because if you do every bit of that, you hadn't gained one thing if you lose your soul. Passion. Passion. You've got to renew your passion for God. That's why the Bible said, true worshipers, worship Him. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We worship in spirit. And we worship in truth. And we better understand that we better give it our very best. He deserves it. He deserves it. June the 1st of this year, I will be pastoring 45 years. I've been preaching almost 49 years. I've lived to see the time. I've watched it come and go. People who lost their passion, lost their love. That's why they quit coming to church. That's why they'd rather be at somewhere else enjoying the flesh, doing things that pamper them and pet them. You've probably heard all this hundreds of times, but guess what? You still need to hear it. The Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the, together as the manner of some is. And here's what he said. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord is near. And we need to hear it and hear it and hear it until we grasp it and get it down in here and we become passionately involved with God, pursuing God. I'm talking about passionate pursuit of your faith and your your, your freshness with God. I've said it over and over and over and over and I say it again. We are saved by the washing of regeneration. Thank God for that. But we are also saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody here that just wants the passion tonight? That Maybe that's the passion you used to have. You remember how it was when you first came to God and first came to church? I hate it that you got around some professional Pentecostals and learned that you don't have to do all that or think they think that. Just go back. Go back. Fall in love with Jesus again. Here's, here's, here's what the Lord... And I'm closing. I know it's 801. I'm closing. Here's what the Lord told. There's a clock right there. I don't tell y'all that all the time, but I'm watching. I forgot my watch, and that's the truth. Here's what the Lord said to Ephesus. He said, I have somewhat against you. 
You know what it was? Anybody know what it was? You have left your first love. Just go back and fall in love with him again. Just go back to the place where you can't wait to get in his presence. You can't wait to have a conversation with him. You can't wait for God to touch you, to know you're, you're, you're being moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Just go back and get in love with him again and renew your passion. Renew your passion. Shall we stand?